Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our missions emphasis from 2019. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. At the beginning of church planting, though many churches had already been started, this is when we see the church of Antioch kind of getting on board with sending people from within sending them out. And so tonight we're going to look at this church and the title of the message tonight is a God-led church. And uh, I want I, I want our church to be a God-led, a spirit-led church. And I hope that you'd want your life to be led by God. And uh, really there's no better life than the life that's led by God and letting God direct every decision we make, every step that we take. And so I hope that tonight we would be challenged to number one, be a spirit-led Christian, but then number two, be a spirit-led or God-led church. Let's pray together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's just take a moment. And let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Just in the quietness of your own heart, let's just pray and ask God, God, please speak to me tonight. And then make a commitment that as God speaks to you, that you're listening to him and you'll respond. Dear Lord, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for our chance to really just enjoy some fellowship in each other's uh, presence here at church tonight. Thank you for the good food. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to hear from uh, some church planters and some missionaries that we've uh, joined with to reach the world with the gospel. I pray, God, that as we come to uh, really our time in the word of God tonight, I pray that you'd help us to hear from you, and Lord, that you'd speak to us personally tonight. We love you. We thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. If you need to turn your chair around so that you can see, that's totally fine. Take a moment and do that. <coughs> as we get started tonight, you ever been around somebody who uh, you would describe, describe them as a person uh, who just kind of gets it? You've been around somebody like that, that maybe it's an athlete. I think right now uh, we've had our guest in here, Brother T.J. Wilder has been here before. I grew up with T.J. Wilder, pastors down in Goldendale, Bible Baptist Church of Goldendale. And uh, Brother T.J. was one, all growing up, he was one of those guys that he just got it. He could play basketball for the first time, and it just clicked. He, could, he was a great athlete, great football player. He was great with, with people. I mean, really, TJ was one of those guys. Brother Bosworth, you remember, he's in college. He's one of those guys, just kind of whatever he did, he was great at. You know, those guys, I don't like them. <laughs> Man, because they just, whatever they do, they just seem to be good at. And they're the type of folks, they just kind of get it. Some of you, you, you know, if you have multiple children in your home, that uh, every child has a different disposition and a different uh, temperament and a different character. And really, you know what? There's probably some that uh, maybe in every house, I know in our house, that, uh, you know, every kid's different. And little Micah's one in our house that Micah sometimes, he just gets it. Not that Dennis and Lena don't, but there's some times that Dennis and I'll be talking and, and then Micah will interrupt me to explain to Dennis what I'm trying to explain. And Micah almost sometimes does a better job of it. You know, I'm like, man, I sound stupid compared to this. You know, you're, there's just certain people that they just, they just get it. As I come to Acts chapter number 13, and really as I look at this church at Antioch, I find a church that I would look at them and say, they just get it. This church is filled with believers that they just kind of caught on to what God wanted them to do. They just, they just kind of got it. What they get, they got the idea that God wants to be involved in every decision of a believer 
and that God wants to be involved in the direction of his church. They just got it. This was a church that they just understood it. And tonight we're going to go to Acts chapter number 13, and we're going to discover this God-led church, some characteristics about them that helped them be led by the Lord. But then also we're going to go and we're going to discover what can we do to become a God-led church? What can we do to become a God-led Christian? Because the truth is this tonight, what we looked at this morning, that the world is lost and going to hell. And without the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. So I want you to take your Bible tonight. Let's notice a few thoughts. First of all, I want us to see tonight that this church was a serving church. This was a church that was involved in serving. As you come to verse number one and verse number two, we find the Bible says this, that there were at the church that was Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And then it goes through and it lists all of these people. But I want you to notice the very first part of verse number two. The very first part of verse number two, it says this, and as they ministered, to the Lord, as they ministered to the Lord. Now, this they right there would be specifically talking about these five, uh, four or five different leaders as they ministered to the Lord. But I believe that really the application can be given and, and the demonstration of their faithfulness as a church that as a church, they were involved in serving God. This was a church, the church at Antioch. This was one of the places where people knew that church serves the Lord. That church is involved in ministering to the Lord. And this church at Antioch, they were a serving church. You say, pastor, how do we know that? We can go to other places in scripture. Acts chapter number 11, verse 20 through 23, it says this, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. This is one that they find out that God's doing something up in Antioch. God is working up in Antioch and they send Peter up there. And Peter goes and he gets there and he goes, man, the grace of God is all over this church. God is working in these people. God is working in these individuals. Well, why? It's because these Christians at Antioch, they were people that were engaged in the work of God. Another verse that helps us see that, Acts eleven twenty six. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, what does that tell us about their serving? Well, the word Christian, it means little Christ. It means just like Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus came not into this world to be ministered unto, but to minister. Jesus came, and what did Jesus consistently demonstrate for his followers? He consistently demonstrated service. I believe one of the defining characteristics of the church at Antioch was in that phrase, as they ministered to the Lord. Man, they were involved in serving the Lord. Can I tell you that God still has the same plan for believers today? That if I'm going to be a God-led Christian, if we're going to be a spirit-led church, a God-led church, we've got to be involved in serving Man, this is all throughout the Word of God, isn't it? And I think about Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13. For brethren, ye have not been called unto li- or excuse me, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, what's the next word? Serve one another. 
By love, serve one another. Man, God has called us to be people who serve others. I think this church at Antioch, they demonstrated that. I can see it in Acts chapter 11. I see it in Acts 15. You can see it in Acts 16. You can see it in Acts 18. Every time you identify the church at Antioch, I believe you can look at it and say, you know what? There was some serving going on there. There was some, there was some ministering to the Lord going on there. Even when we come to Acts chapter number 13, we find it opening up. There were certain prophets and teachers. It goes through and names them, and then it says, and as they ministered unto the Lord. Man, their leadership ministered, their leadership served, and the people served. I see tonight, I want you to see this with me, that a, a uh, God-led church is going to be a church that is serving, a church that's serving. I see, secondly, that a God-led church is a church that is surrendered. And this church right here in Antioch was a church that was surrendered. I see their surrender in three specific ways. I notice it in verse number two, or verse, the last part of verse number two down through verse number three. It says this, as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. I want you to notice a few ways that they were surrendered to the Lord. Number one, I see that they were surrendered to hear God's word. They were surrendered to hear God's word. Do you notice in verse number two what it says? It says that the Lord spoke, or ver, yeah, verse number two, that the Lord spoke to them and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. You know something tonight? They had to actually be sensitive. Listen, they had to be sensitive to the voice of God in order to know the direction of God. Can I tell you right now why many Christians miss God's plan for their life? It's because they're not sensitive to his voice. We, we often, we, we say, God, would you please direct my decisions? And then we stand up and we make our own decisions. God, would you please help me with this and this and this? And God, direct my mind in this. And God, give me wisdom. And then we get up and we just do our own thing. Why? Because often we're not sensitive. We're not surrendered to hearing the voice of God. You say, well, pastor, does God still speak audibly? No, God doesn't speak audibly. You're not going to be sitting in your room this week in your quiet time with the Lord and say, all right, God, speak to me, and you're going to hear a voice that says, Michael, today, you, you know, I don't know. Why do we always deepen our voice when we get to God? I don't, I don't know we do that, but you know what? You think about it. You're not going to hear an audible voice. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through this. Want to know the other reason that many times we're not sensitive to the word of God, to the voice of God? Because we're not even reading it. Pastor, I just wish God would show me what to do. Have you been in the word? Well, no. It's almost like saying, um, Dennis, come here. It's almost like saying, hey, hey, Dennis, why don't you tell me what you think? And then covering his mouth. Hey, uh, go ahead and go ahead and just, just tell me what you think I should do. That's what we do when we're not reading the word. That's what we're doing. We're saying, God, would you please speak to me? And we're silencing the word of God in our life. That's why a lot of Christians miss out on being a spirit-led Christian. Thanks, bud. That's why a lot of Christians miss out on being a God-led Christian. Because we silence the voice of God. <clears throat> I look at this church at Antioch, and I see that they, they were surrendered to hear the word of God. 
God, whatever you speak, we want to listen. God said, separate me. They listened. I see their surrender in their fasting and their prayer. If you look at these verses, just in these few verses, we find them fasting and praying multiple times. You know what fasting and prayer is? Fasting and prayer is a way of surrendering and showing God dependence. That's, that's what fasting and prayer, that's one of the reasons fasting and prayer is crucial in a believer's life, is so that we would say, God, we're going to put away some food, or we're going to put away uh, something that we tend to. And I, I tell people, you know, there's some in here, they say, well, I've had someone say, well, Pastor, health-wise, you know, people with diabetes can't go through and fast a lot. And I say, well, what do I do? You know what God desires? God desires that we would take something that's important to us and put it to the side, fast from it for a little bit. Why? To show God that he's important to us. That's what God desires. That's what fasting is. And the biggest thing is food. Now, we ate dinner tonight, didn't we? Uh, but you know what? Sometimes it's good to say, God, I'm going to go without meals today, and instead of eating, I'm going to spend time praying. I'm going to show God that I'm serious about this decision. These believers, they were surrendered to the Lord. We see that surrender in their fasting and in their prayer. Lord, whatever you want for us, we're, we're just coming to you and just submitting our hearts to you. We see that surrender in that fasting, that prayer. I think it'd be wise of us as believers to still be engaged in some fasting and prayer. You know what? Sometimes one of the best things for you to do and for me to do to get our heart focused on the Lord is to be engaged in fasting and prayer. I'm thankful to know that as we were making this decision, Micah's there in the back and Rebecca right here, as we were making the decision about Ridgepoint Baptist Church, you know, one of the decisions that we made before we even started down the road is I said, Micah, let's take some days and let's fast and pray over this. Let's ask God, what's, what's your plan in this? And I remember there were some men in the church that we took some time and took three or four days and, and a, a day a week for a couple weeks and just said, all right, God, what do, you, what do you want in this decision? What do you want in this direction? What is that? That's just saying, God, we're surrendered. I hope that we as Christians would do that. I see that they were surrendered to hear God's word. They were sensitive to his voice. They were surrendered in, in that prayer and that fasting. But then also, I want you to see tonight that they were surrendered to send. They were surrendered to send. You know, when you look at this, <clears throat> I believe that this was probably one of the hardest ways for them to be surrendered. I think this was probably one of the hardest ways for them to be submitted. And you say, well, well why do you say that, Pastor? Because I think that as they were saying, God, what's your direction for our church? God came down and said, um, hey, you see Barnabas and Paul? You see those two people that are heavily involved in your church there in Antioch? You see those two people that are really, they're doing the work of God, they're engaged, they're not just sitting back and watching everybody else work. You see those two people? Separate them and send them out. I believe that the separate me, uh, verse number three, sep or verse number two, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein to have called them. I believe that is where the quote would be, the rubber meets the road. Right? We have these surrendered Christians. All right, God, whatever, do you, whatever you want, we'll do it. All right, God, anything you want, we're behind it 100%. God, we surrender completely. All right, give me Barnabas and Saul. Oh. Are you sure you want them? 
God, are you sure? Because there's this guy over here. He's not really doing something. Why don't you use him? Lord, what about this family over here? They're, you know, why don't you use them? That wasn't their spirit. No, we see their surrender because they said, God, we gave you everything. It's your church. You do what you want. I think this point is really kind of a, this is a point that's spoken to me this week. Because as I began to think about the fact that in six months from right now, we're going to be having a, our church anniversary Sunday and we're going to be praying and we're going to be having a send-off service. Yay, praise the Lord, we're at nine years. No! Mike and Rebecca are going. Oh, we're celebrating, but then it's going to be like, get out. I'm just kidding. Man, we're going to be having a send-off service. But you know what I think is it's really where the rubber meets the road. Because I believe that we as a church, we can anytime say, God, we're surrendered to you. But then the Lord comes and says, all right, see this couple? They're involved. They're engaged. They're a blessing. They love people. They love the Lord. Send them off. Well, no, Lord, what about? Well, no, Lord, what about? That's not going to be our spirit. Why? Because we want to be a surrendered, a spirit-filled church and a spirit-led church that says, God, we're surrendered. Surrendered to what? We're surrendered to send them off. Part of that sending is in verse number three, it says that they laid their hands on them and sent them away. That phrase, laid their hands on them, it was a way of showing that they were with them, a way of showing that they were behind them, a way of showing that we're sent forth or they sent them away. It means to dispatch. It means to say, all right, here's your orders, just as a general would. Here's your orders. Here's your marching orders. Now go and conquer the enemy. That's what they were doing with with Paul and Barnabas, that phrase. And uh, I want you to see that the church, they didn't just say, okay, we're willing The church said, okay, we'll take the step of faith. Because there's a big difference between being willing to take the step of faith and actually taking the step of faith. A lot of people say they're willing, huh? And a lot of people say they're willing about a lot of things, right? Wives, oh yeah, I'm willing to get that project done. Yeah, I'm willing to do that. Would you fix the dishwasher? Of course I'd fix the dishwasher. Yeah, I'm willing to do that. Would you take the trash out? Yeah, I'll take the trash out. I'm willing to do that. But then when trash day comes, Wednesday morning, and you know they pick up at 6.15, and it's 6.13, and you're like, oh, man, that's where willing has to become action, right? You know, this church, they were willing. Oh, we're willing to send them. But verse 2 and 3 is where willing had to become action. They laid their hands on them. They said, you know what? We are not just willing. We're supportive. We're behind them. One man said it this way. He said, it's the ministry of the Holy Ghost working through the local church to equip and enlist believers to go forth and serve. I would say this is probably kind of that heartfelt point for us right now. For our church, because it's hard to say, or it's hard to say, God, we want to start a church with someone from our church. It's easy to say, yeah, we want churches to start. Yeah, let's pray for churches. But it makes it harder when God says, okay, let me have one of your couples. Let me have one of your people. Man, this is our church. We 
I don't know about you. Now, some of you don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But I don't necessarily want Mike and Rebecca to leave. Now, there's someone here, maybe you do, and that's fine. You just go see Mike afterwards, you know. But I don't, I don't want them to leave. But I, I do want them to follow God. And this is where we as a church are going to decide. We're going to decide, are we just willing or are we going to take a step of faith? I was talking with Pastor Matt Farinella this week, or last week. I was, you know, of course, over there with my dad for those number of days. And as we were there, I was able to go to lunch with Pastor Farinella and then Pastor Sanders one morning for breakfast. And we just talk in. And Pastor Matt, he's actually the sending church of Pastor Creekmore uh, there in, in Bellevue. And the Creekmores were heavily involved in their church. Sunday school teachers, uh, um, head, head uh, deacon, trustee, uh, helped with accounting. He was working at Microsoft, and so he was just engaged and involved in all the work. And I said, Matt, I said, um, can, you, can you just give me some thoughts of some things to, to help our church? Like, what did you do to help Foundation Baptist as you sent Joel and, and Christelle out? He said, Dennis, you know, one of the things that I learned is this. And he began to tell me some things. And I summarize what he tells me with one statement. It's this, anything of lasting value requires sacrifice. Anything of lasting value requires sacrifice. Moms, does any mother like childbirth? No. Not at all. No, moms would say, I, pff, I hate the birth, I hate the childbirth part. I hate it. But after you have that baby and you're holding them, you look at childbirth and you say, it was worth it. Some of you do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? But then listen, as a parent, you know what you do? As a parent, when you raise your children, raising kids is not always easy. There's some days where you have to, you have to discipline. There's some days where it may cost a little bit more money. There's some days where food begins to be more expensive because they begin eating more. And you realize you can't go to Taco Bell and feed your whole family for $8. Now it costs $28. That's just, that's just part of it. But you know what? When you get to see your kids grow up and you get to see them become young adults walking with God, you get to see them growing maybe in the Lord, you get to see them take faith steps, and then for the day you get to see them get married, have grandkids. My mom and dad always said grandkids were a reward for not killing your own. <laughs> you know what? Listen. All of that takes sacrifice, doesn't it? If you've ever worked on a farm, if you're going to have a good crop, take sacrifice. If you've ever held down a good job, if you're going to hold down a good job and get pay raises, it takes sacrifice. Anything of lasting value requires sacrifice. If we're going to see churches started, it requires some sacrifice. Well, what's that sacrifice? It's us saying, God, we surrender, we submit. And we say, this couple can be used by you in Renacci. I think about this thought, this church. It was a, 
It was a spirit-led church. I see this church being one that was just engaged in the work of the Lord. They were serving. I see them as one that they were surrendered. But then lastly tonight, this church was supportive. This church was supportive. I believe in our passage, that phrase, laid their hands on them, showed them, shows, shows us the support that this church had. The church at Antioch, them saying, we are laying our hands on you. This is them saying, we believe that God has called Paul and Barnabas to the work of the Lord. And we are behind them completely. We are supporting them completely. And then it says that they sent them out. That was, that was, them, that was them as a church saying, we're all agreed on this, that we support the work of God in their life. We're behind it. You look, and you can discover, and we won't take time to do it, but in the three passages on the screen, Acts 14, 26 through 28, Acts 15, 35, and Acts 18, 22, and 23 are other places in Scripture when Paul came back or Barnabas came back to the church at Antioch, and you'll discover that they stayed there and spent some time there. And I believe the reason they spent time there is because they were encouraged by the believers at Antioch. And the church at Antioch was not just supportive and saying, hey, we're behind you, but the church at Antioch encouraged Paul and Barnabas. The church at Antioch prayed for Paul and Barnabas. I believe the church at Antioch gave for Paul and Barnabas. I think that the church at Antioch, they were a really a very um, focused, church on this idea of being supportive behind Paul and Barnabas. When you go and you look at them, you look at this church at Antioch being supportive, I can't help but be challenged of wondering if MLBC will be supportive. I think we will. Man, I think we're behind Mike and Rebecca. I'd say tonight, if you're behind Mike and Rebecca, say amen. amen. And we're behind them. I believe Micah has a great vision. Now, are they going to go there and have some struggles? Yep. Are they going to go there and face some discouragement? Yep. Are they going to go there and face some challenges like they've never dreamed they would face? Yep. But you know what they need? They need a church behind them. But a church is made up of individuals. They need some individuals behind them that say, hey, Micah, I'm going to pray for you. Hey, Rebecca, we're praying for you. We can encourage them in a number of ways. I just want to give you these real quick or ways that we can be supportive of them. Number one, we can be supportive by our own faithfulness. Continue walking with God here at Moses Lake. That'll be a big encouragement to them. Man, being faithful. We can, we can encourage them through our giving. Man, being a partner to say every month I will give a certain amount to help Mike and Rebecca in Wenatchee, Washington. We can encourage them that way, be supportive of them that way. We can encourage them through letters, encourage them through some notes, encourage them through some text messages. You know what? Once they get started, we can encourage them, pack your family up and go visit the church one Sunday. You say, Pastor, what about church here? It's okay. It's all right. Go, go visit them. Go enjoy it and go spend time. Now, if you're teaching junior church that Sunday, Robert, where are you at? You can't leave if you're teaching junior church, all right? Man, if, listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're doing a class or doing responsibility here, okay, fulfill that. But man, on the weeks that uh, maybe, maybe a week, every, every eight weeks, you say, you know what? We're going to drive up to Wenatchee. And maybe you can't even drive up there for a service, but during the week, you say, you know what? This week, instead of doing our shopping in Tri-Cities, we're going to do our shopping in Wenatchee, and that night, we're going to take the Bosworths out to dinner and just going to spend some time with them. What's that going to do? It's just going to be an encouragement. 
Other ways that we can encourage is we can be involved when their church starts. Man, the next few months after March, we're going to have opportunity to send groups there to do some blitzing. Micah shared with our men at the men's breakfast yesterday, one of their goals is from March to August is to put an invitation to Ridgepoint Baptist Church on every door in Wenatchee in six months. Someone said, that is, what they just said, that is a big goal. You know what? We would look at that and say, that's impossible. But not if a lot of God's people are involved. Because with God, it's possible. That's how we can be an encouragement to them. And last, we can be encouraged through, through praying for them. I hope that you've received one of their prayer cards, and I hope that you'll begin now praying. Well, pastor, they're still here for six months. What are we going to pray for? Start praying for the future. Start praying for people to be soft right now. Start praying for Micah and Rebecca to just grow more of a burden. Start praying for them as they go to other churches that they'll be able to raise the support they need. Micah's told us, and, and we know this, those of you that know Micah, of course, when they moved here, we, they didn't get paid by the church, and so he had to go out and find a job and work that job for a while, and then we were able to support him a little bit, but he still had to work a job, and it wasn't until just recently they were able to support him a little bit more where he could stop working, and Rebecca's still working a job, still nannying, and still picking up piano lessons and different things like that. So Micah said, Pastor, if I have to go there and get a job, I'll do it. But it works out well for a pastor to be able to go and just be involved and be engaged completely, not have to work a job. And so we're praying that as they travel, they'll pick up that support they need. And so I wonder tonight if you'd say, you know what, I'll pray for them. I'll pray for them. As I look at this church, church at Antioch, they were a supportive church, and I want our church to be supportive. And so tonight, as we kind of wrap this part of the service up, I just want to ask you this question. What kind of a church are we going to be? Man, this was a church that was a surrendered church. They were a serving church. They were a supportive church. What kind of a church are we going to be? Well, pastor, we're going to be serving, surrendered, and supportive. All right. But that doesn't take place unless the individual of the church is surrendered, serving, and supportive. Because a church is not a building. A church is not the pastor. A church is not the staff. A church is every single one of us that are involved in the local church. If you're a member of Moses Lake Baptist, the church, it's you. You're the part. And so tonight, we're going to decide what kind of a Christian am I going to be? And then what kind of a help am I going to be in our church to be a God-led, spirit-led, devil-hating, difference-making church? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this sermon was an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. If you have any questions about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.